We got big rule changes in the Atlantic League and a big hiring on the island. We'll tell you all about it on this episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. We're back again. Episode number 149 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick. He's Will. And uh, yeah, it's going to be an episode today because we have news in the off season. <clears throat> we don't have a guest. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to be driving the bus in this one. Yeah, I mean, there's some fairly, it's a fairly good news week, I think. And uh, it's, it's kind of interesting because Literally all of it, uh, we, we record on Fridays. All of this broke on Thursday, right? Yeah. Uh, well, not the not one of the, the news yeah. things that, that we'll get to. But the major the major pieces, uh, they it broke on Thursday. And thank God it did because I, I don't really know what else we, we, we would have talked about. But now we have a fun show. Yeah. And now, like, at first coming into the week, I was going to be, okay, uh, news out of Staten Island is going to be the main piece of discussion this week. And then Thursday came and I was like, oh, this is perfect. And then I was thinking, oh, of course, this happens right when I get sick. I uh, We have this. So, But hey, I'll take news whenever we can get it because I'm always down to discuss it. So, hey, uh, that said, we should probably get into that news. Uh, rule change in the Atlantic League. And this is a rule change I think a lot of people have been waiting for for a while. I think this is a rule change that, you know, obviously players have certainly certainly wanted for some time now too and that rule changes of course uh the mound in the atlantic league is no longer going going to be 61 and a half feet like it was the second half of the 2021 season it is now going back to the standard 60 foot 6 inches as it is just about uh, across all of every other baseball and if that wasn't good enough for for some of you atlantic leaguers out there the automated balls and strike system, the ABS, the RoboUmp, you know, has many aliases, really. Uh, that is being discontinued in the Atlantic League. Uh, there's a bit more to that story, as it's not disappearing from minor league baseball as a whole, but it is disappearing, at least from the partner leagues as of right now. So I know a lot of Atlantic League pitchers and batters were not happy with the ABS since its inception in the second half of 2019. Uh, but it, it is gone now. Now, there's other rules that will stay in place, but I'm sure we'll get to that. And, of course, I'm going to let Will take headfirst lead on this because, obviously, I, I imagine you have a lot of thoughts on this. Yes, I do. Uh, I do have a lot of thoughts on this. Well, as far as the, the mound being moved back up to 60 feet, 6 inches, you know, I think that if you would have told me that this would have happened about, like, a year ago, and you're saying, oh, like we're they're restoring the uh, they're restoring the the original pitching distance, sixty feet six inches. I would have thrown a party. Like I seriously would have thrown a friggin' party and uh, and it's like jumping for joy and yippee, baseball is back. But to be honest with you, I guess I never really thought that moving the mound back one foot would literally just not matter. Uh, and that's kind of what it ended up being because. It was surprising, but it honestly made no difference. Like, I mean, if and any disparity in the numbers did not look to be caused by anything. Like, it was just completely, like, completely natural. As far as the the 
pitching distance one foot back, like pitchers didn't really have many things to say. Like when I say like they didn't have any bad things to say about it, it's not that they liked it. It was just like, well, it's just what it was. And it, it didn't really make any sort of difference. If there weren't more balls put in play. Uh, the strikeouts re- stayed relatively the same. Offense stayed relatively the same. So there, it's one of those things where they, they tested it and there's really no impact. So I think it's interesting now that this thing on an Atlantic League scale, of course, when this is just taken out and uh, re- returned back to normal, I think we can say, at least for now, that any sort of talk about moving the mound back, like in any in any level or uh, league of baseball, is probably subsided for a little bit because there is this data and because that we now know moving it back one foot really doesn't matter. So if you were to move it back another foot, like how they originally were going to uh, in the 20 or the, I think it originally was the 2019 season. And then they like, and then they scrapped it. Um, it, I don't know if that would make that much of a difference either. So I think um, the big difference, I think when you're talking about the mound is uh, you're looking at, if you really want to make a change and make an impact, that comes with raising the mound and lowering the mound, not so much moving it back. Now, of course, if you moved it back to like, say, 65 feet, six inches, that's a different story. But I don't think that's going to happen uh, because so, cause I think with this data that was now used in the Atlantic League and it shows that, well, it didn't really make any sort of difference, okay, then why change it? So that's the good news, I think, for as far as like rules and in the future that is like, hey – if we try something for a month and it doesn't really make any impact, we're not going to keep pushing this and pushing this and pushing this and giving it more uh, and giving it more time uh, and more as far as like in the 2022 season, giving it another season or another one, trying to find some data that clearly isn't there. And we're just going to say, all right, uh, it doesn't really make an impact. We're just going to go back to normal. And so I think that's the reassuring part of all this. Uh, and so as far as the mound moving back, I don't know what you think, Nick, but I, I think this is probably the end for the foreseeable future of any talk in any level of baseball, as far as moving, moving the mound anywhere back further from 60 feet, six inches. It really just does not have that much of an impact. Yeah. I'd have to agree with that. I think that is, we've seen it now. We know it's not going to do much. I think it was Rob Pimsner that was saying that the the data and the projection was that it was going to do exactly that. It wasn't going to really affect much of anything. It's just that the PR element of it was handled so poorly by Major League Baseball, by the Atlantic League, that it led to kind of the frenzy that I know we were certainly a part of because of everything that surrounded it and how colossally stupid of a decision it would be to do such a thing. Uh, but... And it really didn't do anything, so it did get discontinued now, obviously. And so I'd agree with that, that it's kind of dead in the water now. I also think that we're going to see a lot of major changes kind of halt for a little bit. Obviously, uh, we don't have the 2022 rules <clears throat> quite out yet, uh, and that's not going to come out until the spring. But I, I do wonder if the lockout had any effect in, on this, because right now, keep in mind, Major League Baseball doesn't have too much leverage 
when talking to its partner leagues about wanting to do stuff, particularly with the Atlantic League and the rules. Everybody else is just branding at the moment. But with the Atlantic League, it's also the rules agreement. And so if the main appeal from a business standpoint, at least, of the partnership they have is we're going to let you use this Major League Baseball logo, which to people that are unfamiliar with independent league baseball that don't know independent league baseball and they just assume it's some sort of uh, glorified men's league or something like that, if they see Major League Baseball stamped on it, it's it's almost like USDA certified. It, it's this gold star. You you know it's good stuff if Major League Baseball puts their logo on it. And right now, like I said in a post that we made on a, on a Instagram yesterday, I mean Thursday, Right now, it also works the other way, where when you're in the lockout, and Major League Baseball certainly doesn't exactly have a lot of uh, popular talk about them. They're not in a great light right now, seeing as, you know, lockout and everything that goes with that. It also works as a scarlet letter of sorts, where it's like, hey, right now we're also having to deal with the fact that you're not letting major leaguers (coughs) and 40-man roster players play, which is going to upset a lot of people. So... Right now, this whole deal isn't exactly great for us. We have to deal with your bad PR. So I do wonder if that has some of it. So the Atlantic League could go and say, look, our players don't like this stuff. We want to get rid of it. You can't really say, well, we want to keep it. The data's not there. We could kind of agree that this isn't working anymore. I wonder if that's some part of it, too. Yeah, I think it could be. Um, I think that. The MLB especially, and I can also see from <clears throat> from an Atlantic League perspective or a partner league perspective saying we are not comfortable making any sort of major changes right now until we know what the CBA is. And whether that – and maybe there's going to be some stuff in the CBA about potential rule changes, about an automated zone. I'm sure the players are going to bring that up. As part of uh, as part of their discussion, whether that's positive or negative, I'm not really sure. But I, I mean, when you're talking about the future of Major League Baseball and however these however long these C- CBAs tend to run, which is usually at least ten years, uh, I think that you're going to see a lot of changes in baseball by by the year 2032. So I, I think that. I could see from a partner league perspective saying, hey, we don't want to make any of, we don't really want to commit to anything right now um, with the CBA still kind of in balance. And hopefully that gets, uh, that gets taken out soon and uh, figured out soon. But, you know, my, my, my thoughts on that are, I, I'm not very hopeful as far as that. But I think from, from an Atlantic league perspective, I think we can put that to bed as far as the pitching. The pitching rubber differences. Now, I think on the other hand, as far as the uh, the automated balls and strikes, I think that's a lot more interesting, and I'm interested in that because that was always something that I understood. Um, I understood why it was being tested in the Atlantic League. Uh, I didn't so much have a problem with it. Now, as far as changing the strike zone this year and like making this like raising the strike zone and widening the strike zone. I hated all of that. Why are you changing what is a strike and what is not? If you want to test the balls and strike system, that is, t- that's fine with me. Cause right. Cause that yeah. they're, they're going to need, they need somewhere to test that. I don't mind that. I do mind changing the definition of what's a strike and what's a ball because how, how that really affects and, 
really just helps you uh, grow the game by change it by making the strike zone wider instead of and, and like raising it to like above the knees like it doesn't make any sense so uh the abs system not being part of the atlantic league but certainly not going away so that's the difference here with the uh the mound that the abs is it's still at uh, different levels of minor league baseball at this point i'm interested because it's so it's safe to say at least from our perspective and i'm sure some atlantic league players would agree as well that this automated uh, the automated balls and strike system is not where it needs to be if you were to put it into a major league game tomorrow like i think if you put it into an mlb game tomorrow i think people would see like oh my goodness this is not this is not ready this is not, and I don't know when it would be ready. I'm not, I'm not an expert in that facet, but I think that it, there's there's a lot of work that has to be done with the with the system in general to make the to make it more realistic as far as what's a strike and what's a ball, uh, and we just really haven't seen that yet. So I'm surprised that they're almost seeming to fast track it and move ahead with it quicker than I think it's ready. Now, from an Atlantic League perspective, I don't mind it at all, right? Because then uh, now the with the automated balls and strike system out of the Atlantic League play, they're essentially going back to, uh, for the moment, barring the testing rules being uh, brought out during during the spring, we'll see, we'll see what that entails. But you're getting closer to normalcy in the Atlantic League. But it is interesting to me that they're almost pushing ahead and accelerating with this automated balls and strike system when it anybody who's watched an Atlantic League game uh, and people who have played an Atlantic League game knows that if you were to throw this thing into an MLB game, while the idea is good and I think it can get there, if you put this current system into an into a in a Mets into a Mets Phillies game tomorrow, I think you're gonna see a lot of outrage and you're gonna see a lot of people saying, Oh, this is this is what it like people can call for robo bombs all they want until they actually see it in practice uh, and they actually see it what it looks like in a game in a game setting when things are on, when games and wins and losses are on the line and they see that some of the unrealistic calls that it makes and it realize that it has a big impact and they say oh well we don't really want that so i'm surprised that it, it it's pushing ahead as quickly as it as it is yeah i, I feel like that's almost just from major league fan ignorance outrage almost where it's like they just kind of assume the text there and like you said well it just isn't there i mean just think of how many pitchers we saw throughout the year and throughout 2019 too that went off on this thing because the calls were just outrageous i mean what was it the one lancaster game or lancaster game yeah. when uh there was what, something like 24 walks aside it's like yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, it's but, like sure. Like I, I think people think that we have the technology because that's all they see on TV, right? Yeah. All they see is the box on the on, on their TV screens. And they're saying, "Well, why can't we do that?" But it's so much more complicated than just a box on a TV screen. Yeah, exactly. It's one thing to just put a graphic overlay on it. That's not hard at all. I mean, we do that for everything. I mean, hell, if we could track a golf ball and give you all the stats about that, then like we could do anything like that. But oh, to, I love that. I know the Pro Tracer is actually really good. Oh, I know some people incredible. that don't like it, but by and large, it's just it, the Pro Tracer works so well. But it's great. Yeah. 
but <clears throat> but yeah, no, trying to design a strike zone that's effective and fair and accurate is extremely difficult. And even then, still, too, we have a lot of pitchers that are a lot of pitchers and a lot of batters, for that matter, that they've been used to a different strike zone, not a true strike zone, you know, where mm. pitches that may be a little low have been consistently called strikes or pitches that are a little high have been consistently called ball or, or they're at the top of the zone, rather, not a little too high, but at the top of the zone that may eclipse the zone have been called balls in the past. And now they're being called, you know, differently. That's annoying everybody. Nobody wants that. They want what's traditionally been a strike zone. And then obviously now we're right. now we're changing what a strike zone is, and that's not exactly going to work out well either. So it's <laughs> there's all sorts of median work that has to be found out here. And I mean, just to, again, go back to that like 24 walk outing in Lancaster. I believe it was, I want to say they're playing like Gastonia or, or one of the other poor. It was Gastonia. Yeah. It's like, yeah. certainly neither team was good at pitching. I mean, no one's going to try and argue either team was good at pitching last year. But at the same point, they're still professional pitchers. They're not going to throw that many walks in a game. I mean, like, if you had told me they would walk 12 or even 15, I would have been like, okay, I guess it was a really bad outing there. But to walk nearly double that is just insane to, for that number. So obviously it needs a lot of work there. And I do wonder, and obviously I don't have uh, the exact stats in front of me here. I'd have to do a lot of digging for that. And at, at this current stage, I'm not going to be doing that. But I wonder if between the ABS and between the mound, that there was enough of a push where we saw that kind of offensive explosion from this past year, which we've remarked multiple times that there was just too much offense in the Atlantic League this past year. And I know personally, a lot of times I look at the box scores and I see like 8 to 10, 24 to 17, 17 to 7. And like, if you saw 7 to 5, you're like, ooh, it was a low scoring affair. And those games just really aren't interesting to watch. They're not very interesting to cover either. And I got to imagine the casual fan doesn't find that terribly interesting either. So I, I wonder almost if part of the Atlantic League's pushing was we got a wave of backlash against the mound. We got some pushback from players between the ABS and then apparently there was an issue accessing stats too. I remember that in the winter of 19 and 20. I remember there being an issue where players couldn't get their stats or something like that. They got pushback on a lot of that. Fans are so-so on it. I almost wonder if that kind of made them go to Major League Baseball and go, look, right now between your lockout, that's not helping us. This stuff isn't exactly popular with our players, our fans, or our coaches. And quite frankly, I know there's a decent amount of people in the front offices that aren't exactly thrilled about the mound either. And they're, you know, obviously you got to toe the line. But they were like, hey, you know, we'd be perfectly fine with 60 and 6 inches. We'd be perfectly fine just doing things the way it's been done. I wonder if all that kind of mounted towards the let's just get rid of this type of thing. I have to imagine it has some effect on it because it's just kind of ridiculous, the, the scores that we were seeing. And just, it, it honestly, and I know we've said it before, and it's going to be a bit redundant to keep saying it, but it just made home runs and run scoring kind of irrelevant. The numbers meant absolutely nothing to me yeah. anymore. I mean, like, <laughs> in the Atlantic League, I, if I saw a 320 hitter with 
15 home runs. I couldn't tell you if that's a great batter. Like it would be in just about any other independent league, just about any other minor league. Hell, any other baseball league, if you're hitting 320 and have 15 home runs, you're a hell of a batter. But in the Atlantic League, it's like, um, well, I don't really know. Is he just like a solid middle of the lineup guy? Factor in the fact that there's a lot of smaller ballparks now. There's really not like a great pitcher's venue anymore all too much. Yeah, with Somerset uh, gone, definitely. Yeah, so I mean, you factor in rules that kind of favor offense, ballparks that favor offense, and a shortage of, you know, pitching talent to just be blunt about it. That's a perfect storm, yes, but I mean, it's still, there's a lot of it that could be helped. And it just, like I said, it made a lot of the stats kind of worthless because you couldn't tell. Like, I could tell you that, like, David Washington, he hit 325 in about 60 or some odd games, and he had a decent little amount of home runs as well. He's a great ball player. I could tell you that quite clearly. You Meanwhile, you flip it around and you give me somebody else that hits the same 325, the same amount of home runs in the Atlantic League, and I'm like, I don't really know. I can't really tell you. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm curious if that factored into this at all, too. And Because keep in mind, too, like you said, well, the ABS is still around. It's just now an affiliated ball. I'm not sure if we've mentioned that. <coughs> not sure if we mentioned that or not yet, but it is now just an affiliated ball. So it's their problem now. Uh, and, and like you said, I think it will be refined and it will wind up working out well, but it's just not quite there yet. And there's still other rule changes that went into effect back in 19, back in 21 that are still there. The 17-inch base is still there. The extra inning rule is still there. The anti-shift rules, which I honestly don't even notice, are still there. Uh, and then there's some others that weren't you know, specified either, but I'm sure we'll get clarity on that soon enough uh, as well there. Uh, so, you know, not everything got scrapped. It just seems like the major ones got scrapped. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you look at, I think that's a really good point that I didn't really think about as far as the Atlantic. It's like the Atlantic League's, a plea to essentially get some some pitching back, and while I think that, as far as the um, you look at the all the pushback with the with the mound, and I think the pushback and like the the outrage had a way worse impact on uh, the pitching in the league. It had a way worse impact on the pitching in the league. Uh, than the actual mound moving back itself. Now, I think that the the lack of pitching in the Atlantic League this past year is a lot more complicated than simply just, oh, it was the mound and the and the uh, balls and strike system. While that ha- played a, a, role, a large role in it, it's not everything. Of course, you saw so many guys getting signed right out of college into the Atlantic League. You never saw that in 2019. Never saw that. And maybe one one or two here and there, and they just they just come on for a little bit. Uh, if they're if they have really good stuff, maybe they can stick around. Uh, but most of the time, they'll get they'll teams will be moving on pretty quick, and they'll they'll be looking for for uh, jobs in the Frontier League or, or or other leagues like that. But I think that I mean, you look at the offense. I mean, the batting average, like league wide, it went from two sixty in twenty nineteen to two eighty. Uh, in 2020, and in the and as far as OPS in 2019, it was just 732, and in uh, in 2020 in 2021, it jumped almost up 100 points to 829. 
So that's that's just an, an unreal jump. And I and while a lot of that has to do with the pitching and the talent in of it itself, and of course the offense and the offensive guys being good as well, being really good as well, and that has certainly a role to play as well. And that's just going to be the Atlantic League saying, hey, we need to make a change and we need to make make this an attractive destination again uh, for for players. And not that it isn't now, but it definitely was starting to trend um, as the Atlantic League talent-wise, at least last year. I mean, to be quite honest with you, I think the Atlantic and Atlantic League and the American Association at best were even last year as far as talent. Um, yeah, I'd agree maybe, with that. Maybe, maybe, maybe an Atlantic League slight edge for offense and an American Association slight advantage for pitching. But I think it's as close as it's ever been. And not that the Atlantic League and the American Association are outright, not that they're just straight up competing with each other and that keeps them up at night because I don't think that's the case. But I mean, the Atlantic League's always prided itself on being the the, the number one uh, independent league and the most talented independent league. And this past year, it's even if you want to be if you want to be nice and on the conservative side, okay, then the gap is as close as it's ever been, yeah. right? So, and I think this is the Atlantic League saying that it's just not good for them. And I'll tell you what, and I'll give them credit because because if that is the case then this is the first time that I've seen the Atlantic League kind of step up and do something that's in their best interest and not the MLB's best interest, if that was if that is the case. Yeah. So I, 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 I have to give them credit as far as that because that's something that players and coaches and, and uh, us, of course, have, have been <laughs> imploring them to do uh, for, for, for a while now. So I, I think that... That that's a good sign, and hopefully, while there's still the pitching, the pitching's uh, problem still has a lot, still has a lot more to be solved, and we'll see how that uh, that happens. And that that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I think that this is definitely a step in the right direction to getting those top guys back to the Atlantic League. Yeah, I'd agree with that 100. percent I think that uh, their pitching talent. I think if they didn't do something like this too. And even with this move, which I do applaud them for, obviously, they if they're making this move for the benefit of their own league, I 100% agree with it. I think it was definitely a necessary move, and I, I'm 100% on board with it. But I do wonder how many pitchers that left or were looking at the Atlantic League said, if they did this, what else could they do? I don't want to risk this. And then just kind of go over to the American Association where they're like, yeah, the travel sucks, but by and large, it's more or less real baseball, for lack of a better term. I do wonder if that was kind of the thought process behind it, but it, it is entirely something I, I'd agree with you on, Will. I think that is the first move in a while that doesn't have an MLB benefit to it and just simply has an Atlantic League benefit to it. Um, but, yeah, and, and also I do want to point out, too, I mentioned it a, a bit ago, the rules that they've left in place so far, I'm I'm on board with those rules. I think the extra inning rule for what the Atlantic League is works very well because, like I said, you can't have games going four and a half, five hours long in the in the Atlantic League. That just is not going to fly. The anti-shift rule, I again don't even really notice, but I don't think there's much shifting in the Atlantic League, so it really wouldn't matter all too much. And then the 17-inch base just kind of makes sense. It's not changing the game all that much, and it's a safety thing. So 
I'm on board with it. Uh, so yeah, I yeah. agree with that. Yeah, and I, I like I said, I don't expect any sort of major change coming from the new set of rules. I think it's going to be a lot of more minor stuff, which is obviously a, a huge positive there. And looking forward to that. And the gap is certainly close. The gap is really close now between the Atlantic League and the uh, and the American Association. They know it. I mean, there's no way they don't. They may not want to admit it because obviously you don't want to say, yeah, we know that our product's sliding and their product's on the rise. At most, they go, yeah, they have a very nice product. It looks like they're improving it and we're happy for them, but we still believe our product's the best. And that's what you expect them to say because it'd be stupid for them to say otherwise. So I, but I think they do know. I'm in fact, I, I know they know. They have to. Yeah. It, it, you'd have to be oblivious to not acknowledge it. Plus, I mean, we've, we've sung the praise of the American Association on the show a lot before that they make their content easy to access, fairly affordable, and they try to give you your money's worth from it. And even if you don't want to pay for any of it, just following their social media channels, uh, <clears throat> you could see plenty of highlights. You see them plenty on sports and you see them plenty all over the place. And their quality of play, I mean, hell, their reigning MVP or defending and defended MVP Adam Brett Walker just signed a deal with essentially the New York Yankees of Japan, you know, yeah. so they're, they're doing very well, clearly. So, I mean, it's it, then also, I mean, the, the one area which the American Association still does well. And, and I pray the Atlantic League gets on this next, the website. Come on, guys. Your, even your record page is out of date from 2018. We're nearly yeah. four years out of date now. So, come on. Really, please. Let's I will say, I will say, to be fair, they have been more active on social media lately. That's true. I think they hired a guy. I'm pretty sure they hired a guy. Oh, did they? Yeah, because when I got the press release from him, hold on, let me make sure this is okay. Yeah. When I got the press release from from the league, it was was from a different name. I didn't know. I was like, what's what's this? And then I like swiped it out and I was like, oh, and then I clicked press release. Like, oh, cool. I'm getting these again. And then uh, I read it. I was like, oh, okay. And then I immediately tweeted out the headline of it because I was like, Read it, tweet it out. We'll read the rest of the press release in a second. I want to make sure I'm the first one tweeting this. That's 21st century journalism right there. Hey, that's how you got to do it. It's not about being right. It's about being first. You can correct it later on. But yeah, any other thoughts on the rule change before we move on to the last bit of news this week? Uh, I don't think so. I think we, think we covered it all. I think uh, this is a good discussion. Yeah. Uh, on that note, we will uh, we'll move on to the Stan Island news. This was originally <clears throat> going to be the the main topic of discussion this week, um, but then obviously Bombshell came out on Thursday that had to supersede it. Um, and then there was going to be more news out of Stan Island too because they have their their mascot thing. They're down to a handful of uh, choices for the name, which I'm just going to say go with Mohawk. We're going to leave it at that. It's the best name. Uh, but this is actually pertaining to baseball stuff with Staten Island, not uh, entertainment stuff. So the Ferry Hawks named uh, local kid and longtime independent league baseball pitcher Eddie Medina as their director of baseball ops. Essentially, he's their version of Mike Koltak, if my understanding of everything is correct. Like I said, Medina is a Staten Island native, a St. John's University alum. Pitched for them, of course, 10 years pro, all of them. Uh, in the independent leagues, mainly <coughs> in the American Association, pitched with the St. Paul Saints, the Wichita Wingnuts, uh, for not great too, left independent league baseball there. Uh, he also was in the Atlantic League with the Rebs for a little bit, 
Canaries and the Cougars in the American Association as well. Some time in the Pecos League as well as the United United Baseball League as well. Uh, and there's supposedly a manager announcement coming in the not-too-distant future from the Ferry Hawks as well. But uh, yeah, it seems like Eddie Medina is kind of new to this position as he was pitching as recently as last year over in the American Association. So uh, we'll see how he does in this role. Kind of new to this role. Uh, but, you know, obviously if he's new to it and he was pitching as of last year, that must mean he knows guys that are still in the game and still pitching and still playing. So that could be a definite benefit too. Oh, absolutely. I think this is this is almost like the future of how independent league teams are going to be run. That that you have like your on field managers, and then you have uh, and then you hire like a director of baseball ops to really kind of take the take the heat off your manager a little bit. I think it's a really good idea, especially a guy like Eddie Medina who's been around independent league baseball for so long. He knows so many people. Uh, he, he's he has connections. I'm sure he's played. Uh, with, with some really with some some big names and some some really good players, uh, so he can really help uh, get this team off the ground. And so I think it's a great decision. So I think that him being from Staten Island and starting at St. John's like that, that that's all that's all well and good, and that means it's a really good fit. Um, and I mean his track record uh, in, in in indie ball. I mean you got eleven seasons or, or excuse me nine seasons. Uh, in independent league baseball. So he's been around. He's had a lot of success. He's, he's been on a lot of winning teams. He knows what it takes to, to – he knows what it's like to be on winning teams. And it's good to bring some of that experience uh, to to roster building, uh, especially for a team that is in their first season. So I really like it. I think I think Eddie Medina seems like a, a really, really good hire. And I love the fact that uh, Staten Island is also looking in that um, – Looking, looking forward in in the sense that you're kind of ta- it's not just your manager doing absolutely everything. You have somebody that helps him out with with player procurement, uh, and may, even if it's not in a, a an official director of baseball ops role, um, I think it's really good that that there's someone else that's helping the manager with with player procurement. I think it it, it is an overall positive, and it, it really helps those teams. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. Uh, I, I'd also say I think it is <clears throat> on some level positive that he's coming from the American Association too because I think he can kind of help swing guys that went over there back over to the Atlantic yeah. League too. And I I do kind of wonder between, you know, now the world changes and you got a guy in here that's pitched for a while. He's fairly he's fairly young but also fairly recently retired and, and everything that goes with that. I do kind of wonder if you make a play for for maybe like a, a bigger name guy, like obviously the one that comes to mind uh, that's kind of sitting out there still, the former Met draft pick that can't go back to college in Kumar Rocker, who may oh, want to. Oh boy. Well, we're going there. I, I had someone send it to me as like when the rule just went down saying Stan Island should make the play for him. And obviously it depends. Does he want to even go to the Atlantic league first off? And that's the way, the way bigger thing is would, would he want to go? Yeah. Because I mean, if he was willing to first off, then I think you also got to fight off Long Island for him because I think Long Island is going to make the hardest push and just, for how long as they've been around for and the way that uh, that whole organization operates, not to say anything about the other uh, nine teams in the league, but 
Long Island's a machine. They are professional and they, they just kind of, they just run really, really well. And I mean, if you're a guy that's only going to stay there for like maybe two weeks making five or six starts, you know, it doesn't matter that much to you. I don't know, but I know if it was me and I had questions about my health and I knew I was in for a big payday. Yeah, I'd want a, an organization that runs that kind of efficiency. But Staten Island, you're in the shadow of New York, so you're technically part of New York. You get a guy like Kumar Rocker, you bring him in, that's a big draw. It's certainly a very oh, big draw. it's a draw. huge draw. It's, it's a, a great a way to ring draw. in, isn't it? I mean, if you announce, and I know this is a lot, and you know, I'm making a lot more out of it than is possible, and maybe I'm putting way too much pressure on not just Medina, but the whole baseball operation over in Stanton Island, because obviously, like we said, there's a lot of moving pieces. It's not as easy as just making a phone call and setting it up, but... Imagine if opening day 2022, the Fairy Hawks take the field, they announce all their players and whatnot, and their starting pitcher is Kumar Rocker that day. Is that not one way to ring in a brand new franchise? No, that'd be, that you would literally have, uh, you would bring people flocking to Staten Island if Kumar Rocker was pitching. Yeah. Uh, now, I may have an unpopular opinion, Yeah. but I'm willing to go with that. I think if if Kumar Rocker made like six starts in the Atlantic League, I don't think he'd do that well. All right, I'm willing to hear this out. I mean, listen, we talk. I think offensively, I mean, you're talking about the, a team that is like low, like a like a high double A, low triple A. Yeah, that's a big jump for a guy who who wasn't who hasn't pitched in a while. So True. I I think True. in that case, especially with such experienced hitters. It would be fascinating to watch. I will say that. Uh, but I think if, if if at least he went to like the Atlantic League to make some starts, I mean the velocity is there, so that's 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 definitely something to mention. But I I, I don't know if he'd do that well. Like I think that if there was like some idea that oh he's just going to go out there and dominate, I don't think that's true. I, I don't think that's true at all. Going from college. Uh, as even as good as the SEC is, and, uh, and the highest level of college baseball, which is uh, the SEC is certainly better than like a rookie ball or even like a low A ball. I think it's it's probably um, it, it's not not that far off from that. I don't know if he would do that well in the Atlantic League, like performance wise. He'd be a huge draw, no doubt about it. I, I don't know if he would. I don't know if he'd do that well. I, I think the proper thing would be keeping expectations in check, like you said. I don't think anyone expects him to go there and through six starts have an ERA of two. I don't think that that's a realistic expectation. But I do think if he goes there and he has an ERA of even like, let's say, 435, and he just doesn't look that far out of place, I think that bodes well for him. Because you could say, look, professional hitting, haven't pitched in a year. We're going up against former major leaguers, a lot of AAA talent, a lot of guys that could probably make it overseas. That's a good metric there. If I'm a major league team and I'm looking at him, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's not terrible. I mean, I could probably toss him in like high A, double A right off the bat and, you know, yeah. be perfectly fine and good. And we could be on a good development track of like two or three years from now. You know? Yeah, to be honest, I think it, I think it has a lot more like is what the scouts would be looking for in that sense. I think it has a lot less to do with the numbers he puts up, and a lot more to do with what his, what his stuff looks like, uh, like like as far as uh, you know, like 
his elbow is the is the issue of why he didn't sign with the Mets. All right, is he coming out pumping like ninety-three to ninety-six? Right, like he did in college, mm-hmm. uh, and with a with a, a an insanely good breaking ball. I mean, if the stuff is there, then I think that's what the scouts are really willing to see, or or like looking to see beyond like, well, what's his ERA? I think that especially with a guy like that, and he wouldn't be there the whole season, like not even close. But uh, it, it's interesting to think about, though. Yeah, it's, it's something I just wanted to kind of throw out there real quick <laughs> while we were on the topic of Staten Island to figure. You know, someone brought it up, so it sounded like a good thing to mention. But, but yeah, no, I think it, it, I think it has some legs, to be quite honest. We've seen in the past with this type of thing. Who was it? Luke Hoshauer? Or I can't pronounce names. Hoshaver? That's it. That's the name. I'm not even going to pretend to try. Uh, and then Scherzer did that too, as well, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that was because, yeah, that was because he was like in a con, like he was drafted and he had like a, a contract, a contract. A contract dispute, like, but he was a because he was a Boris guy, and so he had like. I think a, Rock is a Boris guy too. He is. That is true. So, uh, oh, I'm just Scott saying. Boris? That'd be something. I'm saying, like, if he were to play in a partner league, would any of us be terrible? Oh God, you know, I just thought of what if for some reason he went to that bullshit summer college league that Major League Baseball runs. You know that bullshit one that's like semi-pro because if they just kept it as college, they yeah. wouldn't be able to fill the roster? Yeah. I pray to God he yeah. doesn't play in that. MLB Draft League? That. That. Don't play in that. Gross. Can we all just collectively agree that we should all just... I'm not saying I'm hoping for it to fail because obviously there's a lot of real-world ramifications for it failing. But can we just kind of collectively all agree? We want those teams to go back to professional baseball through any means. Can we all agree that that we want them back in pro ball and not whatever yes. the hell that draft league is? I, I would like them back in pro ball. We all want them back in pro ball. But uh, okay, now, So let's wrap up this Fairy Hawks news and then get out of here because we went longer than I expected to go with COVID. So... Uh, uh, yeah, so any last thoughts on the Fairy Hawks? Overall, I think it's a pretty decent signing, fairly inexperienced guy, so I'll be interested to see what he brings to the table. And uh, overall, though, I think the youth element is going to work well for him. I think it's going to help him recruiting guys, but at the same time, uh, they do keep going heavy into the Stan Island local thing. And I will say this much, I don't think everyone needs to be native to Stan Island or greater New York area. I think we can go ahead and pull guys from other places too. I don't think we should be afraid of that. <laughs> that is true. The one thing I will add, and I'm sorry, it has to go slightly off top again. Yeah, fair. Luke Hotshaver, Hotshaver. Yeah. I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Also a Scott Boris guy. It's lining up. It's lining up. Yeah, but all right. So with that said, uh, we're going to go to the plugs now and then we will get out of here. You want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter, which is where we first start talking about this Atlantic League news. Uh, that's at IndieBallPod. You want to follow on Instagram, ALPB underscore news, IndieBallReport there. Whole post on this too, so sure check that out. Website, IndieBallReport.com. Got the episodes, got the show notes, got the articles, got it all. Check that out there. Um, outside of that, Shows available wherever you find podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, 
Podomatic, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You know the deal by now. If it's a major podcatcher, we're probably on it. So be sure to rate, review, and subscribe <coughs> rate, review, and subscribe there uh, as well. So with that said, do we have anything else left to add? Only quick thing I have to add, Jack Hughes is an all-star. So I'm happy about that. Kevin Rooney got snubbed. He should be in the All-Star game. I'll <laughs> die on that hill. He is—he has more goals than Nathan McKinnon has. I'll have you know. And yet McKinnon's an All-Star captain, but yet Rooney isn't. It's very unfair. But um, justice for Kevin. Exactly. Rooney to the All-Star game. Let's make he's it. A devil's, he's a Devil's legend. So he's a Ranger legend now. <laughs> I'm just saying. He's Kevin Rooney. He does it all. But uh, only thing I got to add is. Thanks for hanging in there this week. As you can probably tell, uh, I'm battling a, a bit of COVID at the moment. And I got to say, it really does suck. And I'm kind of impressed I was able to go for nearly uh, uh, an hour-long episode here. So hopefully it works out fine. Hopefully it's out in a timely manner. We'll try to rec- edit this a little bit later in the week. So thanks for hanging in there. Hopefully next week we'll be back to full force. And uh, yeah, so thanks for hanging in there. I know there's probably going to be a lot of coughs and maybe some sneezes you hear on the recording. So, uh, yeah. Thanks. Uh, With that said, uh, nothing else left to add. Until next time, don't forget to play ball. This is the one time I (laughs) I really wish my board had a cough button.